Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you take what you are, everybody here, we got, we're different. We got different makeups, different gifts, different personalities. But if you take what God made you to be and you use it to help build up the people around you, God is pleased with you. You may not have some dynamic gift. You may not be someone that gets up front and speaks or sings or whatever. But if you take what you are and you just love on somebody and you know how to pray for people and you know how to come alongside people that are going through it, you know how to share a personal word, you know how to, you know, all these ways that we can build up other people. You be a part of that. You're pleasing the Lord. God is pleased. You're part of the work. Sometimes in life, it can be easy to get caught in the comparison trap. However, in today's message from Pastor Bill, he wants you to see the gifts and abilities God's given to you. What are the unique traits God has blessed you with that can help you serve others? You might not have a gift that stands out or is in the public spotlight, but whatever you've been given, Pastor Bill encourages you to use it for the Lord. Use your unique giftings for the building up of others. Shine your light for God's glory. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I wouldn't imagine a person genuinely spending time in prayer and, and intercession and, and praying in the spirit. And you, I, I wouldn't imagine we walk away from that time in the flesh. You know, I wouldn't imagine that we walk away from a genuine just time of being with the Lord and worshiping and praying. And I wouldn't imagine we come out of that in a, in a, in a carnal way. And so Paul said, I wish you all were, were being, I wish you all had the gift of tongues. But he said, but even more, even more that we prophesy, that you prophesy. And he explains why. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Why? Unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. So why is the person that speaks prophesies greater than him who speaks in tongues? Because he edifies the church. So unless the person that speaks in tongues also interprets. Uh, Once again, I've been in meetings where someone speaks in a tongue and we just say, I want to wait on the Lord for an interpretation. And the interpretation comes now. We could say amen. I could listen to the interpretation of the tongue and say amen to that. That was, you know, and whatever, whatever went forth in worship, whatever was spoken to the Lord in that unknown tongue, the interpretation will bring that forth. And, and to that, we could all say amen. And so it's unless it's interpreted, nobody's edified. It would be better for um, for prophecy to go forth. Now, verse six. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak? To you, either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching. And so he says, again, if I come to you speaking in a tongue, I don't edify you or benefit you in any way. But if I come speaking by revelation, something God has revealed, you would be edified. If I come speaking by knowledge, some some supernatural knowledge, we talked about the the word of knowledge that would be edifying. If I came prophesying, telling you something, you know, this is what God spoke to me. God's going to do this. All these things have the potential to be edifying. But if I come to you speaking in an unknown tongue, I don't really bring anything beneficial to the table. And so I don't want to skimp those real quick. He said, if I come speaking by revelation, by knowledge or by prophesying. So real quick, how many of us do that? How many of us go to one another and speak by revelation or by prophecy or by knowledge that that that, that we that we're, we're, we're open to being used within the body in that way that, you know, what, God's just giving me this to share and I'm going to share it. I, I want I'm encouraging us that we would be a little freer in that. I think we're, for whatever reason, I think some people are hindered because they're afraid to be wrong. Some people don't say nothing. They're like, I don't want them to think I'm that weird person, that spooky, dookie, you know, Christian or whatever. But, you know, sometimes when we act like that, we hinder what the spirit would want to do among a group of people. 
And so um, it'll be made very evident those that are off and weird. All you got to hear is to get you. I mean, you know, that's how you identify. You, you, you let somebody just keep giving words. And it's like ain't nothing you said ever happened. You know, or they, people give. Here's how false prophets give safe words. You know, God's going to bless you. <laughs> what week have I ever had that God didn't bless me in some way? You know, uh, it's just some generic, you know, you know, this, this week, brother, if God, God is going to bless you every week, I'm blessed. And what does that mean? You know, give me something. When you look at biblical prophetic words, there's something that Paul said, we all going to make it. That, that means in two days when the ship, you know, comes to land, we're we going to be able to look back and say that was from the Lord. That wasn't from the Lord. We'd be able to verify that word pretty soon here, you know, but people get real safe. They, they even get prophetic words that require something of you. God's told me, that, I mean, if, if you just be faithful, God's going to do this, that, and the other. Look in your Bible. You find when God has spoken and the finality in which it's spoken, God's going to do this, bam, because he's God. He's just going to do it. Um, and so while I'm leery of that and we, and then we judge prophecies, you know, we, we judge them and we, we don't just run with everything that we hear. But I think we can be so cautious at times as believers that we don't experience the move of the spirit in the way God would have us to. And that's what I don't want. I don't want to be that safe. I'd rather I'd rather you, you know what I think God is saying this and you put it out there and let's see. And, and let's find out if it's right or wrong. I'd rather that. Then for somebody to be sitting on 10 words and, and yeah, 10 times God gave you something that would have edified somebody else. and You didn't say nothing. Come on out. Come on out with that word, man. We want to hear that. You know, let let that let that let that go in the body. And so that's one thing I would ask everybody to pray about. If there are times where God lays something on your heart, feel like God is revealing something to you, uh, particularly if you've had this happen and you watch it come to pass. You just never did nothing with it. Then you want to pray about. God, you want to ask God to give you boldness to, to step out in faith with what he's given you to do. And so uh, moving on now, Paul said in verse seven now says everything without life, rather flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what, the, what, what pipe is played? And so I'm sorry for the for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So he says about an instrument, just some something that's without life. Um, you play a flute or a harp. If you don't play a distinct sound, nobody will know what it is. I was going to I thought about having, you know, L.E.L. stay behind and play just some random song that w- wouldn't be just just notes that everybody would be listening like those are cool notes. But they don't mean nothing. And then have them play a song that everybody would know, like how great is our God. And, you know, you guys might play it right. Everybody would know when to start singing what words um, the, the, the notes would start to tell you what part of the song you're at. Um, there's a distinction to the notes. He says, just like that, if there's no distinction to the things that are spoken, what will, no, people won't know what to do. Back then, they used the trumpets to prepare people to go to battle. So there was a distinct trumpet, a distinct sound, and a distinct way it was to be blown so the people would hear it and know exactly what to do. And so Paul says, look, if, if, if it's just kind of random noise, nobody will prepare for battle. Nobody will know what to do. And so and, and, and he's using that to give the, that's his analogy on um, tongues as opposed to a, a distinct word, a spoken word. And so likewise, again, verse nine says, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken for? You will be speaking into the air. And so when you look at a church gathering and everybody stands up and everybody's speaking in tongues, Paul said they're just speaking into the air. Don't nobody know what they're talking about. I've been in those gatherings. I've shared with you guys before. I've been at a, I've been at a church. I even took somebody with me. I took my sister. And and the pastor, instead of teaching Bible study, I said, everybody, let's just start praying. Everybody start praying our language. 
And the whole room just erupted in the tongues. And my sister was like, whoa, you know, it was like we had to leave. You know, she was like, can we just go eat now? I don't know. You know, we didn't know what that was. It was um, but edifying. You know, the, the teaching that we went for would have been way better, would have been way more edifying um, for people just walking in the door. And so now I would encourage those people to go home and do that. Go home and pray and have a time like that. But when the whole body comes together, we want to speak things that even if we're going to come together and pray. I want to pray in English so you guys can say amen to that. I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I agree with that prayer. If I pray in tongues, you can't say amen. You don't know what I asked for. Um, it's just there. Even if I worship God in a, in a known language, you guys can agree. You know, I can, we can have a time of prayer and just set aside. Sometimes in directed prayer, we'll say, you know, right now we're just going to worship the Lord. And people in their prayers are just worshiping him. And as you're listening to someone else worship God, you, you can you can fully agree. Um, but if I go in tongues, you guys will just be listening. So moving on now, verse 10, he says, there are, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. And so, again, he's hammering the point home. If I if I speak in an unknown language or someone else is speaking, in another, we become foreigners to one another. So any any pastor that goes across the world and you speak, you do so with an interpreter so that it would be meaningful to the people you're speaking to. I went to Japan and was uh, did a mission trip in Japan and was able to speak out there. And there were always missionaries there that were there that spoke both languages. So you could you know, you, you had to break your study into little chunks. You couldn't talk too long. You couldn't use any slang, which killed me. But, you know, you, you taught and you stopped talking, let them talk. And you had to hope that when they were talking, they were saying what you really said, you know. But that was the only way that those people were going to be edified. If I had just stood there and said, I'm breaking this thing down in English the way I do it. You know, and that's, it works in California. It's going to work in Japan. They'd have been looking at me like, you know, nobody would have been edified. But with the interpreter, they could be edified as well. Same thing when they were talking. If they didn't have an interpreter, we couldn't be edified either. And so Paul's saying it, it actually doesn't do well for the body when we're not speaking in a language that's known both ways. So verse 12 now, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And so Paul is kind of pointing out the flaw within the Corinthian church. So you guys are zealous for gifts, but you're not zealous for the edification of the body. The, the Corinthians were zealous for gifts in a carnal way. Their gifts, they were possessing their gifts in a, in a way that made them better, made them more important, made them superior. And Paul says, if you're going to zealous, you can be zealous for spiritual gifts, be zealous for them in a way that benefits other people. And that's that's got to be the heart. We want we want to be a church that walks in the fullness of the spirit, that we believe in all the gifts for today. We want to walk in those gifts. We want to exercise them. We want to move in those things. And I believe if we do it right, it'll be done in a way that the body is edified. That'll be the end result. Jesus will be glorified. The body will be edified. And nobody will be a bigger deal than Jesus if we do it right. And so Paul says, hey, we want you to excel. But if you're going to seek to excel, excel in edifying other people. Excel and the word edifying means to build up. If you want to get good at something as a Christian, get good at building up people around you. You know why? Because that pleases your heavenly father. It pleases God. Right. If, if you take what you are, everybody here, we got we're different. We got different makeups, different gifts, different personalities. But if you take what God made you to be and you use it to help build up the people around you, God is pleased with you. You may not have some dynamic gift. You may not be someone that gets up front and speaks or sings or whatever. But if you take what you are, you just love on somebody. You know how to pray for people and you know how to come alongside people that are going through it. You know how to share a personal word. You know how to, you know, all these ways that we can build up other people. 
You be a part of that. You're pleasing the Lord. God is pleased. You're part of the work. You're building up the body. So much happens here that never happens at, at church on Sunday. There are people here that are in relationship because the church, we, this is when we gather. We're kind of gathering for instructions, but we're the church all week. And there are people here that, that, that throughout the week, they're calling people, encouraging them. and they're, they're doing the work of the ministry all week long. And then we show up here together and worship together and we may serve here too. But this isn't it. This ain't the end all. This is, this is like the football huddle. We get some instructions before we get done. We're going to break and we got to go out there and be about this business. Amen. But there are gifts that are moving in the body that are they're at work all the time. And so everybody here, what part are you playing? Who are you building up? Who are you edifying? Who are you helping? We should all be edifying, helping, building somebody. You know what we shouldn't be doing? We should not be a part of tearing down at all. Who does the tearing down? The enemy. So we got to kick him to the curb. You know, if you, if you find that, man, I end up tearing folk down. You, 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 you on our team, but you playing the wrong way. You know, you're, you're hurting the team. You know, we're to be building up. And I'll just say this. Sometimes those that need building up the most behave in a way that would kind of make you want to fall back. So sometimes the, the people that come in here and they, they need it the most. Them are the people that's acting up. You know, doing things. And I've had I've had times where I've had to I've had to mature in ministry. I've had people talk about me, talk about my wife, you know, say things. And if in, in me, in my flesh, find out you talked about my wife. Say something about my wife. Break you off, man. I mean, you know, that's that's me. Right. In the Lord, it's like, OK, well, that's revealing that they need. There's something broken. Something not right, something not good with Jesus. And so I either get to be a part of healing and fixing and ministering and building them up or I, I, I can gangbang on them. You know, like say something else about my wife. I beat you out this church. Up. You know, we don't do that. I ain't never beat nobody up at church. y'all. You know, I, I'm at least that saved, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'll be lying if I tell you I feel like it. You know, um, I've had I've been told I've had I've been lied on things said about me. And it's like now you got to love. Them. No, they're hurting. Those are hurting people, you know. And that's what we got to do. We got to be a part of building up one another. So if you find that you be a part of talking bad and tearing people down and if you gossip and backbite and all that kind of stuff, you cut that mess out. <laughs> the Lord ain't happy with you. You know, the Lord don't like that. So but when you find that, you know what, I'm committed to the building up and I'm going to speak things that edify and build up and I'm going to look for opportunity to strengthen and build up those around me. God is pleased and nobody else sees it. He sees it. He doesn't miss a thing. Amen. All right, moving on. So then he says in verse um, 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And so he says, if you do pray in, in tongues, which is a good gift and it's for your personal education, also pray say, God, since you gave me that gift, would you give me the gift to interpret? And there's times where I may, I may pray by myself and I'm like, God, tell me what I just said. You know, show me what that was. I'm asking for the, God to give me to get the interpretation. I want to know what it was. I'm, I don't even know. I just prayed it unfruitfully. I don't know what I said. So, God, if you pray in tongues, ask that God would also give you the gift to interpret. That way, should we ever be in a uh, maybe in our smaller groups or our prayer gatherings and, and someone wants to pray in tongues, you, you, you would know that I can also interpret. I can give the interpretation that everybody here might be edified. And so, so Paul says, hey, if you have that gift, also pray that you may interpret so that you could now your understanding is fruitful. And so you could share it with others. Also, verse 15, he says, what is the conclusion? Paul, this, what's the conclusion? He says, I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. 
I will also sing with the understanding. Paul says, look, I'm going to do both. I will pray and I will sing with intelligible words, whatever language he spoke, English uh, for us or, or Spanish or whatever. And God, and he says, but also pray in the spirit and I'll sing in the spirit. I'm going to do both. I'm at times where I'm maybe with, the, with everybody else. I'm praying in a way that people could be edified. Uh, even in my own time of prayer, I'm going to pray. I'm going to exhaust prayer in terms of using my own language to pray, but I also will pray in the spirit and I'll do both. And so now he says in verse 16, verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will you how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? And that's what we've covered. You know, how will someone say amen? How will they agree? Verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So he says not meaning that you're not praising God or you're not giving thanks, but people aren't edified by it. Verse 18, Paul says, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. He says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so Paul, as he wraps up this section, says two things. One, and I, I was really kind of pondering this. Paul, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. And I thought, well, how does he know? How did he know? I mean, I, I, that was my thought. You know, I don't know if you guys think like me, but I'm like, how do you know how much other people? He said, like, I know I, I do it more than you guys all. Maybe Paul knew that. Maybe Paul knew from what was coming out externally that there must not have been much going on devotionally. And so uh, and I want you to understand this. This is not just praying in tongues, a, a, a regular prayer life. God said in, in Matthew 7, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, your father who sees in secret will do what? Word you openly. You, you got somebody with a legit prayer life. It'll be demonstrated in their external life. You'll know that that's a person that prays. It'll be evident. Um, it won't be evident because they tell you, yeah, you know, I got up at four this morning and I got about three hours of prayer in, man. Woo, my knees are hurting. That's not how you're going to know. You know, God says, look, you when you pray, go in your closet and shut the door. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God says it'll be evident in your public life that you spend time with me in private. And maybe Paul is saying, looking at how you Corinthians are behaving, I know I speak in tongues more than all y'all. You know, I, I don't see any evidence that y'all are walking in the fullness of the spirit. It's not working. And so, you know, I, that's just, those are my thoughts. But Paul says, look, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. Once again, Paul is making it clear. This is not a negative speech on tongues. Paul's just wanting to give us the order. Are we getting that? So we're not putting down tongues. We're not saying tongues is bad or it's not a good gift. Is tongues a good gift? Should we desire it? And we should use it where? Devotionally, in your personal prayer life. When we come together, we're looking to use the, the gifts that would be edifying to one another. Prophecy, edification, exhortation, revelation. Though we want to we use the gifts that would bring edification to the body. This one is uniquely a gift that's for your own personal edification. And so that's the distinction Paul is making in this section. He's not putting it down. He's just saying, Corinthians, you guys are using it wrong. And I think it's interesting that, I mean, with a chapter like this, and this is, the, I would ask, and I want you guys to consider this, how come so many places are just doing whatever they want? How come, how come it's so common that there would be whole denominations, the whole churches where the whole place will erupt in, in tongues? And when I'm like, this is the clear teaching. Is it clear? It's so clear to me that Paul is saying, so I look at this and I think, man, I, I don't understand how, you know, I could read this and, and, and then conclude that we should all stand up now and start praying in tongues. But that's why we want to be, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to go through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse, but we're going to do all the sections on the gifts and we want to be taught by God. We want to, we want to honor God with these things. I don't want to take any of the gifts and then go do my own thing with them. I want to make sure that 
All these things bring glory to God and edification to the body. Last verse 19, Paul said, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So the apostle Paul is saying, look, if I had the option, which he does, when I come together with the church, I would rather speak five words in a known language. So, I mean, I just want to think about that. Five words. I mean, he's, I'd rather put together five words and share them at church that everybody could hear it and say, amen. Jesus loves you a bunch. You know, five words that just edify you real good. Paul, I'd rather do that than to stand up and speak 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So if Paul is of that persuasion, should we also be? Amen. We should be. Um, so this is my exhortation as we wrap this session up. We want to be people that are pursuing love uh, while we're learning about the gifts. And we, we everybody I want everybody here to know what their gifts are and to use them and exercise them in a way that edifies others. But above every gift, more important than every gift is that we be people that walk in love, that we who are so loved by God and we're going to celebrate communion right now and. We're going to remember what Jesus did for us and what, how he demonstrated his love. But those of us that have been loved on by the Lord, that we would love on one another, that that would be bigger. That would be more important. That would be more significant than whatever we do, uh, whatever gift we have, whatever manifestation of the spirit is upon our life, that we be people that would be known by love. That should characterize a group of spirit filled people. And I said this when we first started the thing on the gifts in chapter 12. You can fake a gift. But you know what you can't fake over time? Can't fake fruit. And the, I believe the genuine evidence of someone walking in the fullness of the spirit, I'm looking for fruit. I'm looking for love and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. And I'm looking for all those things that manifest in the life of someone that says, I am full with the Holy Spirit. Because we all agreed earlier, you could say you're full of the spirit. And you can you fake tongues? You better believe it. Can you fake prophecy? At least for a week or two, you know, until, until it's proven. I mean, you can fake all the gifts. You can fake it, but you can't fake fruit. And so you watch a person's life over time and, and people get characterized. That person is really sweet. That's characterizes their, that's their personality. That person is very giving. That just characterizes who they are. That person's, do we know people like that? Do you guys know people that you would say they got a short fuse? What we're saying is that person's in the flesh a lot. They get flesh easy. They, their zone to fall into the flesh is short, you know. Um, that's what we're identifying in people. That that's, It characterizes them. So we want to be people that are walking in the fullness of the spirit to where people who see you and know you on a regular basis would say, man, I see these characters in them. I, I see love and gentleness and patience and goodness and self. I see the fruit of the spirit abounding in them. And then after that, let's get let's get into the gifts. Let's let God use us. Let's let's watch. I mean, let's I mean, if he gives you a word, give a word. If God blesses you with tongues, pray in an unknown tongue. Worship God to the fullest. I mean, take everything God gives us and use it. Amen. And so we want to pursue love, but we also want to desire spiritual gifts. If God has given you a gift and he's given every believer a gift, then you want to exercise enough faith. If you're unsure about what they are, I'm encouraging you today that you would take a step of faith. God, I, I believe that you've given me this. I'm just, I'm just going to walk in it and, you know, I want to, I want to, I want you to make it clear that this is or isn't something you've given me, but be open. I don't want to just study the gifts and move on out of Corinthians and people been sitting here through the whole book and still don't know what gifts they have. Be discontented. Don't, don't be unwilling to do that. We can't read through this, know that every believer has one and you walk away saying, I still don't know what I got. Go back and reread it. And ask the Lord, God, which which one or is there any others? That what, what do I have? How do you want to use me to bring edification 
uh, to your body. And that would be the goal that everybody here in some way is building up and edifying the people around us and that we would do it in love. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.